0: So right now we are here with Mr. Joel Com from the Bad Crypto Podcast, probably the most popular uh, crypto podcast in the world, unless, uh, unless we start taking off to overtake you someday. <laughs> but uh, no, one of the th- But with Joel, he's constantly talking to all different professionals, all different people's walks in life. And it's also a podcast where you can go back from the beginning and listen to if you're just getting into crypto. So what's one of the things that if somebody you know had told you guys back in 2010 or 11 that would basically kind of push you over the edge to get into it sooner. So what do you, so the new person that's out there because about half our audience is super into crypto, mm-hmm. the other half is more into gold and precious metals. Peter shifting. So what would you tell that new person that's just heard
1: about Bitcoin for the first time? What would they need to know to maybe help them get over the edge? You know, I heard about Bitcoin back probably around 2013 or so, and because I didn't understand it. I didn't go down the rabbit hole, which is really unusual for me, because as a pioneer and early adopter, I'm usually, oh, new cool new tech toy. What is this thing? The fart app. Yeah, the fart app, right? But there was something about Bitcoin. I didn't understand this concept of mining. You know, what does that mean? Are there like little people inside my computer, ding, 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 you know, mining away? I, don't, I didn't understand it. And I didn't try to understand it, because it just seemed like, Otherworldly. And it wasn't until early 2017 that I finally started paying attention. And once I understood mining, I'm like, oh, that's why this is awesome. That's what took me down the rabbit hole into conversations with Travis Wright, which, you know, a few months later led us to go, you know, let's take these conversations and share our journey with the rest of the world and invite them down the rabbit hole with us. And that's how bad crypto started. And so, you know, the advice is understand the foundation of mining crypto, why, how Bitcoin is made, why it's important, how it's decentralized. And then this. not only do you discover that this rabbit hole goes deep, but the deeper you go, the wider it expands. There's a whole world out there and crypto is the future.
0: Yeah, originally I was focused a lot on politics. I thought once I got into crypto, I would would not have to focus on it anymore. And I realized, oh, wait, there's a lot of politics in crypto as well. What are some of the other things that excite you now? Because you talk with a lot of people all the time. And so maybe some of the new things coming down the pipeline or some, uh, maybe it's whether it's early... Uh, getting more adopters out there. What are some of the big things that excite you that are going on in the space that people can look forward to?
1: Yeah, I think adoption is is really everything, right? We're still in the early adopter phase. The technology is not at a place where uh, uh, the mainstream would trust it yet, right? It's still complicated to open a wallet, even if you're opening up on you know on Coinbase or something. There's still hoops you have to jump through, and people still need to be educated about how to secure your crypto, even on something as simple as that. And so We need to get to that place, and so I don't know that the technology itself, now as I'm just processing this out loud, is going to be the thing that moves us there. I think it's going to be uh, adoption by governments by large companies, you know, once we hear that Amazon is taking Bitcoin or something like that, then that's gonna cause people to go, wait, what is this, how do I use this? But, you know, the bottom line is for the end user, not the investor, not the creator. The, the the end user, it's really just about ease of use, right? Take your credit card out, you swipe it or put the chip in. I don't know how that works. I know there's a magnetic stripe, I know the chip's got some data on it, but I don't understand how it works, it just works. And so what we need is technology that just works. And I love when people say, I don't
0: understand crypto. I'm like, well, you probably don't understand the regular banking system either. Otherwise, uh, you know, Henry Ford said, if Americans understood the system, there'd be a revolution before the morning. And that was before the Federal Reserve. Yeah. And uh, I guess the last thing I'll leave with is, uh, you were very early adopter to the internet. I think I'd heard one of the shows where you had one of the first X thousand 20,000 20, websites or something like that. And how would you compare this to the internet and what's bigger or how can this play along with the
1: internet? Yeah, I think that was actually, it's a great analogy because when I finally understood crypto, my immediate connection was, whoa, it's 1995 again, because this the crypto and blockchain world looks, smells, tastes, feels, sounds a lot like that. I've been here before. This is deja vu. And that's why I instantly knew, all right, here we go again. This is the next wave. Only I believe that the blockchain disruption is going to be more impactful and affect more verticals, uh, more businesses, more individuals, more lives than what we see with <clears throat> excuse me, the mobile disruption and with the World Wide Web it's gonna be big. We're talking about a fundamental shift in payments, transactions, data, storage, and all the verticals that use that, which is essentially everything, right? So I'm, I'm super excited about it, and I do feel like it's um, 1995 all over again.
0: Yeah, it's uh, certainly an exciting time to be here, exciting time to be in the space, and where can people find out more about you, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, or uh, downloading the podcast?
1: Yeah, go to badcryptopodcast.com or if you want to look me up, it's just at joelcom everywhere, all the places that matter.
0: All right, thank you, sir. Appreciate your time bad today. Pleasure. Don't
1: all call right. me sir. Yes, sir.
0: I never wear a suit, so I got to do it.
1: Bad. Thank you. Thank
0: you. <sighs> yeah, you good. I'm good. Yeah. Everyone, this is Tim Choke the Liberty Advisor, and we are here with Caitlin Long. And right now, we are in Vegas for Coin Agenda, Vegas Blockchain Week, so don't be confused with uh, the familia behind us that's in Spain, and, we're, and Caitlin, she is on the forefront of uh, securities legislation in Wyoming. I know it sounds like a boring topic, but trust me, she's d- done a ton for the space. And so, can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the different laws that you've had uh, and some of the effect that you've had for people in Wyoming, specifically for crypto?
2: Well, uh, over two legislative sessions, we've passed 13 different laws through the Wyoming legislature. All of them have been signed by the governors. And uh, essentially, it creates a welcoming legal environment uh, and takes crypto out of state and local taxes in Wyoming and um, allows you to know definitively that not just under the blockchain regulation, effectively, but also the Legal regulation that you actually own the coins that you for for which you you hold the private key Yeah,
0: and I'm originally from uh, New York So I had to move out of there and then I'm not setting up any LLCs in New York for obvious reasons but You know what are some? But now I'm in Arizona. They're also pretty friendly. But what are some of the distinctions between, let's say, Arizona, which is pretty friendly, because I think uh, I think it's State Rep. Jeff Weniger. I think is the one responsible for a lot of those laws that he probably just copied from you. But uh, what are some of the the differentiations that they have in Wyoming versus, let's say, in Arizona, that is pretty friendly?
2: Well, we're very far ahead in Wyoming um, because of the comprehensive nature of, of what we enacted it's really unlikely that that another state is going to to do as much as wyoming did because wyoming already grabbed the first mover advantage and it's a it's a heavy lift to do that many pieces of legislation in a short period of time especially when another state has already grabbed first mover advantage um but the the gist is that um we've we've like i said taken state and local taxes off the table given absolute clarity on the legal rights and obligations to parties and crypto transactions. So, so you close off the legal attack vector, right? A crypto exists in a legal gray area, and we're trying to close off that legal attack vector. And so,
0: for people who weren't just in the panel and maybe they aren't uh, necessarily sure what you're talking about. Basically, with the title, some you know, let's say a Bitcoin was originally on the Silk Road, or somebody said, "Hey, that's mine," and and. Through Wyoming, it's, is it my understanding that after six months, then that person who's had the title of the Bitcoin, that no, there's no other further liens that can be made? Is that?
2: Yes, that's right. It's two years, which is consistent with the federal statute of limitations for fraudulent conveyance. So, if, you're, if your crypto is in located in Wyoming, which I realize is a weird concept for a digital asset, but we, there are ways you can get your crypto deemed located in Wyoming then uh, then the, all the liens are cleansed after two years, yeah.
0: And it's important to know for the people at home that you don't actually have to live in Wyoming to have a business or a trust domiciled in Wyoming. Is that correct?
2: That's right, as you were talking about, Wyoming is a leader in LLCs, limited liability companies. Wyoming is actually where the LLC was created in 1977. So we have this history of, 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 real innovation in business areas, um, and Wyoming has a history of being first in a lot of things as well.
0: Now, do, you came originally from the traditional world of Morgan Stanley, and so why, let's say someone who just heard about Bitcoin for the first time, maybe they're in the traditional world, the VC world, the private equity world, Why? what would you tell them to maybe get them interested into this, something that maybe they don't understand?
2: Well, to me, it is crypto is insurance against uh, failure of the settlement system in traditional financial services the traditional financial industry requires us to store our assets at intermediaries with whom we have a debtor-creditor relationship we tend to think about we own the shares in our brokerage account no we don't our broker we've lent them to our broker and our broker owes them back to us same thing with the money in our bank accounts. and then
0: they're actually all held was it the uh, I forgot it's the OCC I forgot the DTTCC yeah
2: yeah there are there are layers within the Uh, financial services industry, and every one of those has a debtor-creditor relationship to each other, and the accounting systems get out of whack. So I know if I own a base layer Bitcoin, in other words, I'm not owning it at Coinbase or or any of those intermediaries, If if I hold my private keys, I know I own that asset and nobody else does. I don't know that with my Apple shares because the bookkeeping systems of Wall Street do not keep accurate track, and the SEC allows for um, fault tolerance in the settlement system because it is impossible for all the systems to be in sync at any given moment in time, which tells me that is 100% certain that there are more shares that people think they own than there are actual shares issued and outstanding at any given moment in time. I don't want to store my Wealth, like, an M-
0: like an MF Global System. with the Rehobit that went on back with Corzine?
2: That, yeah, that, that, that's a good example of it. The other, in, in that case, um, John Corzine dipped into his customer's personal accounts, which actually what you'll find is that that isn't illegal. There's a reason he's not in jail um, because you become a general creditor of your broker-dealer when it goes bust. And so it's effectively the same thing. Um, and and, and the, the the Dole Food case is actually the best example of that where there were 36.7 million shares outstanding. There was a class action lawsuit. All the shareholders had to send in proof that they owned their shares so they could claim the extra consideration. There were 36.7 million million outstanding but 49.2 filed for that extra money and all of those 49.2 million filings were backed up by valid brokerage statements so the system created one third more shareholders one third more people who thought they owned dole food shares than actually did the interesting question about that is where'd the money go for all those people who bought those phantom dole food shares and what's the impact of those of the artificial supply of Dole Food shares, satisfying real demand for Dole Food shares. It clearly suppressed the price and it was just one of the many Skimming mechanisms that exist in in the financial industry today. Okay,
0: and lastly, do you see any new uh, or what what other things are coming down the pipeline in terms of maybe new innovation? Or I don't know if you want to tip your hat to, so that way your enemies know how to line up against you. But what can you tell us that maybe Wyoming is doing that may, might be coming down the pipeline?
2: Well, in fact, everything Wyoming does is is open meetings. This is government, so it's open meetings. So everybody, if you want to, you can see what we're doing. We have seven new bills coming this year. The two most interesting ones are controversial. I'm not sure we'll get them through, to be honest, but. One of which is that um, it prevents criminal liability um, within the state of Wyoming for open source developers. Um, and it's not to say that an open source developer who writes a malicious line of code can't be prosecuted because if they use it, then and it steals some some something, for example, then of course that's theft, and and they can be criminally prosecuted for the theft, but not for having written the. The line of code. So it, it basically, it's, a, it's essentially respecting the fact that code is speech. Um, and then the other is a bill that would prohibit uh, judges in Wyoming from compelling uh, a citizen to for for producing their private key in a, a court case, civil, criminal, administrative. Um, and that essentially is Wyoming recognizing that private keys really aren't different than passwords and uh, that ultimately a judge can compel someone in a divorce case for example to sign the assets over to deliver them or to sign with a private key to prove that they a- that they own the assets but not require them to reveal the private key in those instances. Those are real truly t- truly, protections for the developers in this industry and the people who own crypto in this industry. It's designed to kind of foreclose attack vectors on on us.
0: Well, I think that's absolutely huge and we definitely appreciate your time. Where can people find out more about your work and maybe help get involved?
2: Uh, I'm active on Twitter at CaitlinLong underscore and then uh, Caitlin-Long.com is my blog. I also write for Forbes.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Caitlin. Definitely appreciate your time and contributions. Thank Thank you. Everyone, it's Tim Pichot here, and we are here at Coin Agenda with Giovanni Bendez, and he is an expert when it comes to uh Puerto Rico Act 20, Act 22. So I'll let Giovanni tell more about this, but this is one of the people always ask me about different loopholes and tax avoidance strategies. If you've got money and you live in the US, this is one of the best things going on. And I am a financial advisor and I got to kind of preface those questions of talk to your own lawyer about this. Well, this is a lawyer that you can talk to about this. So, Giovanni, so th- thank you for coming on and tell us a little bit more about Act 20 and Act 22.
3: Yeah, so um, Act 20, 22 are. Uh, a couple of incentives acts in Puerto Rico. They're actually just changing into something called Act 60. Uh, They're being uh, put together into one code, the same as uh, other incentives laws in Puerto Rico. But basically, uh, what we know is Act 22 is the individual investors act, um, and it gives uh, tax-free treatment to capital gains, interest and dividends that are sourced to Puerto Rico to people that become Puerto Rico residents. Um, and then that extends to cryptocurrency, but also equities and privately held uh, companies, uh, gold and silver bullion, um, other commodities that you may trade as well. So it extends to all of those as long as uh, they're sourced to Puerto Rico and trading equities, etc. Now,
0: now, one thing that I want to clear up is you can't take your, uh, say you've made $10 million on Bitcoin, you can't take that, move it to Puerto Rico to avoid gains, it's just gains that were... Basically, from when you move to Puerto Rico, is that is that correct? Because I know a lot of people think, "Hey, I'll just take all my gains down to Puerto Rico and avoid taxes." Is that something that people can do?
3: So there's, I mean, the 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 answer to that question is a little broader than that. But there there are certain assets um, that you'll find in the code, like for example, marketable securities um, that you have to mark to market on the date of, of move to Puerto Rico, and that previously accrued value wouldn't be would be taxed by the U.S. And then any further increase would not be taxed um, and would be taxed free in Puerto Rico. And then, um Now, to kind of back up, would they have to pay the tax at that moment when they no. went to Puerto Rico? No, when they sell. Yeah, so they would have to sell, so they take a snapshot when they move. And remember, this is uh, for, for marketable securities. The treatment so for they markets.
0: have a million-dollar asset when they move to Puerto Rico. Now it's $2 million. They sell it. Half the gain is attributed to Puerto Rico, half to America.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the case for, uh, again, publicly traded securities. Then other assets, uh, privately held companies or other privately held assets, have a different treatment. But you know, if you have questions regarding that, you can feel free to reach out to someone like me.
0: Yeah, well, thank you, because this is, I mean, because there's a lot that you can do. I mean, I I help people with charitable trust planning, and basically, I'm telling people, hey, you know, if you... If you can convince your significant other to move down to Puerto Rico, that's the only way to not have to give up U.S. citizenship. I know a lot of people in the crypto space, they're actually calling it uh, Porto Crypto. I, I think there's probably at least about 150 people who are down there already. You've got uh, Peter Schiff, who hates crypto, and he's down there. And so now he's mad that all the crypto people are not doing the strategy that he's telling everybody else about. But we definitely appreciate your time. Let people know where they can find out more about you and your law firm.
3: Yeah. So um, you can find our website is uh, www.geo.tax. That's G-E-O TAX um, or just give us a call 787-665-2022. Uh, now, do you have uh, free consultations for people or anything? Yeah, we normally do an initial, you know, 20-25 minute call. It's better if they send us an email so we know what their questions are and we can tell them right away, look, this is something for an initial call or this is a little more complicated, requires an engagement. But yeah, we're, we're happy to answer that, you know, first 20-25 minutes uh, to give the general overview. Uh, we also have some FAQs that we've just been, you know, over years to d- doing this. Um, I have over 300 applications under my belt. You know, we, we put together a few of the most commonly asked questions. So people that reach out to us, we, we email that to them.
0: All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate your time today, Giovanni. Great. All right. Thank you.